He was born in the summer of his 27th year Coming home to a place he'd never been before He left yesterday behind him, you might say And good afternoon, it is Friday uh, a little after 4.20, which is appropriate because we are in Denver. We're we about 1,500 miles west-northwest of the Old Oak Table. And I am sitting here with April Vokey. It's a little early for us. Um, it's a work day, so it's not going to be a beer with, but I think it would be appropriate to say maybe a coffee and a water with April Vokey. April, how See, you doing? It's the end of my day. Okay. And I would love a beer. Larry, why didn't you bring beer? Well, I just wasn't sure if, you know, you were really focused on the work thing and whether it was going to be appropriate or not. But, you know, when we're done with this, we can go downstairs and have a beer to celebrate. Sounds good. You know that there's a reason why you're my last guest of this entire trip, right? Why is that? Because I just want to let my hair down and finally be able to relax. Well, you have found the right podcast to do that. <sighs> so we're going to jump right into it. All right. Let's do it. You have been in the fly fishing space for a while. Um, you and I were just talking a little bit. I've known who you are um, for, gosh, forever, it seems like. Um, interactions that I've read and seen through the Drake message board <laughs> well before social media. <laughs> and, and then social media comes about. And, and it's been fun watching you develop and grow as a personality and as a professional in in fly fishing um i'm going to start out by saying you do have a lot of influence in the fly fishing world thank um, you please don't call me an influencer no i'm not going to say you're an influencer but you do have a bit of influence um and to that end i want to start out because you touched on something when you did your episode with your husband charles and I think it's important to kind of talk about that a little bit more. And I'm just going to pose a question to you um, with knowing that like we're at IFTD, IFTD wrapped up just a little bit ago mm -hmm. and the show awards for like best rod, best reel. There's always something new coming out and there's always the marketing hype behind why it's new and why it's better. Um, what has your experience been over the years? Do you think that you have improved over the years oh, as a person as a, as an angler as a caster <laughs> or is it simply that the equipment's gotten better over the years oh that's a ridiculous <laughs> question but you're right it's a great it's a great question but, with a very easy answer okay i have improved right which brings me our podcast we kind of like to get that hot take from somebody like yourself of how important is it? Now, marketing obviously is important. It's important to you. It's your business. It's your bottom line because of the relationships that you have. But how much marketing is almost over the top versus if we as a industry taught people that it's okay not to have the latest and greatest, just get something and get out there and be part of this thing we call fly fishing. And, you know, maybe down the road, 10 years, if you're a 20 year old or, you know, whatever, when you get to the point in the station in life where you can afford it without impacting other aspects of your life, then it's important. Or do you think that that's not an issue that needs to be addressed? 
I think every issue needs to be addressed if it's an issue. But I mean, it's just really simple for me when it comes to marketing, especially as a consumer myself. Show me why it's great, but don't tell me. Okay. And that comes down to people too. Show me why you're great. Please don't tell me. Right. I want you to show me. Okay. But when it comes to the performance of a particular reel or a rod, it's kind of tough to show you. So I don't think it is. Uh, how so? Well, I mean, where do you want to talk rods or do you want to talk reels? Let's talk rods. Okay. The reels don't change terribly too much, but it seems like rods are on a cycle of about every two years. Well, I know there's a reason why I'm not seeing certain reels landing marlin. You okay. Know, you can't show me that, uh, I don't know, what's a real company that's, I don't know, some cheap plastic thing from China. You can't show me that it has got the balls to land a marlin. Okay. But you can show me that maybe a, a, a board does. So, I mean, you can see, you, I, I look at what performs well. I also, with rods, it's a little tougher because mm-hmm. this comes down to action, right? Sure. And we all know that the caster is the caster and it makes the rod. The caster makes the rod. The rod does not make the caster. Bingo. Yeah. I get frustrated with the rods because I feel like everyone's getting faster and faster. And I just would like to see things slow back down. The way yeah. You know, that that's where I'm at um, and probably always have been. I like a f- probably on the faster side, but still I want to feel it. I like that's part of what makes fly fishing fly fishing for me is like feeling that rod load up and sending it. And when you get super fast rods, it's just like frenetic and it, it doesn't feel right. Like there's no soul to a, yeah. to a rod when it's super fast. I mean, there are advantages to it and that's a whole different subject, but just getting back to like, I, I know where you're going with this question and it's a great question, but it's a loaded one and it's a lot deeper than maybe we have time to discuss, but what it got, do you have a time limit on this show? No, not okay, at all. Cool, me neither. So the thing is, is it still comes back down to show me and don't tell me. And I'll tell you why it gets deep. Because we're so stuck in this age of when we talk about marketing, we automatically assume that we're talking about the internet. I'm, I'm looking past that. I want to go back into fly shop days, the marketing I'm used to. Okay. And I want to be marketed by the fly shop. I want the, mar- the fly shop to market to me. And I want them to show me and not tell me. I think that we get so stuck on associating marketing with the internet and it, it is deeper than that. I think that you're right. And to that end, we have a friend in common, Rich Farino. Um, I was actually at district uh, back mid-summer, uh, probably June or late June, something like that. And I spent the day uh, hanging out with him. My, my real work, I was in DC to do a real job and I planned my schedule so that I could spend a day with Rich. And I just hung out at the shop. I was a shop rat for the day. Good, good. I love Richie. Richie, I love you. And he had a gentleman come in that was looking for a new eight weight. And to your point, Rich walked back and got every eight weight that he had. One of each. He printed out. like the. He has it in his point of sale. That he was able to print it out. And he like laid all the rods out on a table and went through them with this gentleman. It was like, this is rod A. This is the price for rod A. Rod B, this is the price. Rods, this is the reason for the difference in prices. This one has this type of uh, components. This one has a little bit better component. Da, 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 and, and like really explain to him 
where the value and price came from. And now the guy was like, okay, I get it. And then Rich says, let's go up here to the uh, to the park and I'm going to have you cast. I walked up there with him and this gentleman, I watch him try rod the first rod and then we switch out, give him another rod. He tries that rod. He goes through, I think we did four rods and Rich was like, so which one did, did, did you like? And I said, hold on. I said, I'm going to tell you which one you liked. And the man looked at me and I said, you liked the second one. What? And I called it by whatever it was. Exhibit he, B. And he was like, you're right. And I said, yeah, I could watch you. Everything about your cast, just the way you, you're, you could tell that rod felt good to you. It looked like it felt good to you. And he was like, it is the one. And that's marketing that he is showed invaluable. him and did not tell him. Right. Now, how ridiculous would it have looked if Richie said, okay, here are eight rods. This is the Instagram account for this one. And this is how many followers Winston has. And this is how many followers Sage has. Oh, and you know, this is, these are the brand ambassadors. The guy would say, I don't care. Yeah, and I don't Show understand. Me. Show me. Don't tell me. And that's where I. That's what it comes down to for me. So maybe we need to look at, you know, uh, I guess within marketing, there's branding, which has to do with frequency. Uh, the more you put your message out, people become able to recall it easier. So it's like top of mind. But the actual decision making comes from more of a hands-on perspective. Depending on the industry, but yeah, I right. think in this industry it, sh- it does, or if it doesn't, it sure should. I, I just thought it was important to make sure that <clears throat> we get you on record that it's not necessarily the gear improvements that have made you better because... No, not e- not even a little not bit. Not even a little bit. No. In fact, I've started... I mean, I've gone back to antique rods and bamboo. I'm veering away from that stuff. Are you? You're getting into some of the older stuff? Well, I have for years. I mean, even I had a television show like well it would have been six years ago and i did the entire series with bamboo i mean i go back and forth and i'm not right. at, you know i'm not sponsored by a rod company these days i i was involved with epic and you know we sold and all of that stuff so i'm very free to sit here and say that there i love rods and and <coughs> even reels and, and you know of all brands and so, in all so eras. You're, you're you're not tied to any one I'm particular rod agent. you're a free agent and even when i wasn't a free agent i said it how for you know i, I said it for what it was because i believe that Look, if I want a really fast rod, I don't know. I don't even want to talk brands. Like, it's just not, it's not relevant. It, it, I'm, I'm going to use whatever does the job. So best. I'm going to stop you right there because I think that is the little nugget of advice that I was looking for from you. That anybody that listens to our podcast knows we want to give the best perspective. And what you just said is forget about the brand. Just go find what works best for you. Put your hands on it. Touch it. Cast it. And then, and only then, make a decision based on your own personal finances. Is this a rod I can afford and I should be buying? Or even though it might have been the best, it's the most expensive and it's just not the right time in your life. So then you go and and make a, you know, life is about making choices and making compromises. And you might have to compromise. You're not getting exactly what you want, but you're getting what you can afford that's the best for you at the time. Yeah, and once you've ticked those boxes, 
if you are looking to get a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. look at the company ethics. Is that something you believe in? I mean, uh, like it's no secret I work at Patagonia. Right. I love Patagonia shirts, but I love Columbia shirts too. You know, they're all, they all get the job done. Right. But I like to, I'm going to look beyond that. Look at the company's morals. What do they stand for? So I think if, you know, if, if you can tick all those boxes, whichever company works best for you is probably the one you should go with, not the one that's paying you the most or has the highest um, Instagram. It's just so stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. It's ridiculous. It's become retarded. It really has. Oh, you know you're not allowed to say that anymore, I, right? I realized that right as I said it. I was like, <laughs> my wife is going to kill me for that one. This whole PC thing, What you really, I think one of the reasons I was excited to be on the show is that you said we don't do PC and it was like, oh, thank God because I'm horrible at it. Well, let's just jump right in there. Um, so am I segueing you accidentally? No, no, it's okay. Cause I can circle back around, but it is something I was going to talk to you about. Um, how I'm retarded. No, <laughs> it's, it's kidding. been a, a common and recurring theme. And I think it was recently, whether you read a book, um, but probably one of the catalysts of it was on a story you shared with your daughter. Somebody was trying to mom shame you. And, I get mom and, shamed all the time. And but but you finally came out and you were like, ah, like zero fucks given. Yeah. Like you like know negative zero fucks given. Yeah. And 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 tell us what brought like what when oh, did yeah. you finally come to realize that you know what you're living your life for you, your daughter, and your husband, and all this other bullshit can just step off. Confidence is, is it not liberating? It, yes, it is. But this is what it comes down to: is confidence. So when or if something like i don't know whatever there's a lot of things to make fun of me for but say casting if you insult my casting it's it's easy to give a fuck Mm -hmm. because maybe they're right and maybe that cast sucked if you're making fun of my enormous ass do i give a fuck probably because i know i shouldn't have eaten those french fries but when it comes to my daughter there is nothing you can say to tear my confidence i am the most incredible mother and it, there's just nothing you could say to change my mind about that. So negative zero fucks given. And that's, that's all it comes down to, just confidence. Perfect. And, you know, that's something that comes with life experience. And I want to talk to you about having a daughter. Yeah. Okay. So. I love it. I'm sorry. Just the coolest thing in the whole world. Okay. So. You're just married, kidding. Sponsored ad. <laughs> Planned Parenthood. No. Just so, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> no, it really is the best thing ever. And and you know what's the craziest thing to me about parenthood is I love my wife deeply. Been with my wife going on 27, 28 years. Congratulations. Married for like 22. It's, it's hard. Okay. So congratulations. And I love her. But I did not truly in, have any idea what love was until my son was born that kind of love can you relate to that i mean like yes and no the love that you have for that kid is just the weirdest wackiest like undefinable like your mind goes places that it had never gone before and it's based on that wacky unconditional crazy love that a child like exposes you to i get it now did that happen for you instantly no, I don't think, uh, not, a, not, not a realization to it, but. It took me forever. You know. And people would be like, it's amazing. You'll never be the same again. 
I could feel her in my belly and we bonded. And meanwhile, when she was in my belly, I was like, listen, you little fucker, stop that. Right. And it's like, get off my bladder. You know, I just wasn't feeling it. And then when she was born, um, I just, it took me like 10 months to love her as much as my dog. I didn't regret anything. And right. I loved her, but I love Colby so much. Yeah, I love you my know dog what? so I think, much. I think that the, and you know, I'd probably be wise to shut my pie hole right now and not go there, but I'm going to say it. I think that, motherhood you know because there there's plenty of postpartum depression issues that happen like to hear that you say i loved my dog still more than i did my my daughter that i just gave birth to i don't know is it a is it a biological thing with like you know you still have a certain amount of hormones going on because i mean you do hear from time to time you know people in your life are like oh my god from the moment she was born or he was born i love for me you know, it yeah. was like, and I had no depression, Larry. At okay, all. no, I, I wasn't saying you were depressed. I'm just saying I was just using that as, as an, an example. example. Like that, you know, is it more complex? Well, this is the thing, Larry. How can you take anybody and throw them into another person's life and say, "Love this person unconditionally"? I mean, obviously, I love her unconditionally. Right. And now I'm obsessed. Like oh, she's for my sure. everything. Even though I still think and would argue I love her as much as my dog. Um, I mean, I think the, the difference just kind of going off on a tangent here. I think the difference with dogs is we expect that they'll die before us. Sure. And we come and and we wrap our head around that. So when it happens, but it still we're doesn't ready. make it any fucking easier. Of course not. And knock on wood, you know, I'm not there yet. Right. Uh, Colby's not again. Oh is he, God, pray, pray to God, he's still here. Is he still? Is he? I, I know that you know he's bone cancer. Got the bone cancer. He's doing amazing, and you'd never know. Yeah, but the, the, I don't ever want to. I don't want to curse myself because. It can change at any at any time. What have you? I, I know, you know. I've seen it in your stories. You've talked about what you've done as far as changing his diet and doing things. But talk about it because there's there's other people out there. We we have tons of people. I mean, we are on our podcast. I have a, a yellow lab named Cabo, yeah. and he's just as much part of that podcast as everybody sitting around the table because you know he's family. He well, and and like our very last episode. He was laying beside the table and started dreaming. So all of a sudden, in the background, you can hear, you know, <laughs> you know. So everybody that listens knows about Cabo. So I mean, you uh, know. Well, listen, I'll take you down that road, but let me just get back to the baby thing just for one second, and then I'd love to talk about um, dogs for okay. sure. I just don't, for me personally, to take anybody and throw them into my life and say, you know, we want you need to love this person more than anything on earth. It's not realistic, and I think that. For me, like maybe if I had always wanted to be a mom my whole life and I'd had 30 some odd years of imagining this love that I would have for my child, maybe it would have been like that. But I, I didn't have years of fantasizing about that. I mean, I wanted a baby eventually. Like she was planned and everything. Okay. But I just didn't, I don't know, I was busy. I didn't have time to in- fantasize about falling in love with another person. So it had to happen organically. I had to actually put in some time with this person and start to fall in love with her naturally. I wasn't... I didn't fall in love with the fantasy of her first. You know, I had to fall in love with her organically as time would have it. So maybe I've been sensitive. I don't know. My, my husband was in love with her immediately. Right. We were opposite. It just didn't happen for me that way. Um, yeah. So it's, that's it, it's interesting for you. You know, like the, it's not been part of, I mean, it, it was definitely, like you say, it was planned. Uh, but first shot. Nice try, baby. 
did not plan on that. <laughs> but yes. And that's the other thing. I think I was I wasn't mentally prepped for it. Like we we tried, but I was excited to, I was excited to try and right. have it go on for a while. Uh-huh. And not not like not, not immediately yeah. take. Yeah. So it just was a whole lot to kind of wrap my head around very fast. Uh, but again, you know, prior to that, you know, you hadn't spent years planning and thinking about it and having this idyllic you know, I'm going to be a mom and well, it's going to be so... I did, but then I changed my mind. And then I think about it again. And then I changed you, my mind. Let me ask you this. Did you... Were you putting off motherhood in because of professional issues? Yeah. Like you, you felt like you needed to continue to do things professionally before that... Because beca- There were two things. Okay. And they probably both come down to career to some degree. But um, I didn't want to get fat. Like okay. I already have a hard time keeping myself in shape. Um, and I didn't want to get fatter. And also I didn't want to become, I hated hearing people say that they were never the same again. I've worked my whole life and invested so much time into loving who I am. Okay. And I, like I didn't love who I was in my twenties, even with Drake Daisy. I didn't mm-hmm. like, I mean, I, I thought I liked myself, but I didn't know myself. And I've invested so much time into loving who I am and becoming the best person I am. Why would I wait until I finally was so happy with who I had evolved into, you know, who I'd become? Why would I want to suddenly change that and not be the same person I was? It just didn't make any sense. So So there's almost a component of fear of wrecking what you'd worked so hard for. For sure. I mean, not just professionally, just as a person. Like I I work, it's funny, I stumble on, you know, talking about work because I am constantly working on myself. Um, So yeah, I mean, all the things I'd worked towards to be derailed by another person um, just was not sounding that appealing to me. Okay. At the time, and then I realized, and, and actually, this is my, what my mom said because I called my mom crying, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's actually happened. <laughs> I'm pregnant." Because I thought that what was going to happen. See, Charles and I hadn't seen each other for a bit, and you know, I had always, I'd been, I told people I wanted to have a baby, and I mm-hmm. did. I mean, I, I, I wanted to have a baby because I wanted to pass on, um, you know some really great things. I wanted to bring somebody better into the world, but I didn't care if it was my baby or an adopted baby, or I mean, not an adopted baby, but an adopted child. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't adopt a baby, but an adopted child. I didn't know which of those it was going to be, but I knew that I was very comfortable and that I had a lot to offer another person. And I I wanted to give back to somebody. So that's the reason why I chose to have a child. And um, so Charles and I hadn't seen each other in a while. And of course, when you haven't seen your partner in a while, you know, you see them and you get all hot and heavy. Right. And you probably say things you shouldn't like, hey, I'm ready to have a baby. And so I just assumed that within, you know, a few weeks of, of being back together again. Right. Like in the same vicinity that we'd, you know, that he, I'd want to kill him as usual. And we change our minds. But we, we got pregnant that night. I called my mom crying, you know, a few months later. And I was like, this has happened. And she was the one who put it into perspective. And she said, when has anybody ever told you how to do something she's like you i've known you your whole life you've never let anyone tell you what to do so why would you let society tell you how to raise your child and she's right amen and she she really put it into perspective because my parents were very liberal with me not in a political way just they had they were free we had freedom Mm -hmm. and i mean they were strict but especially in our younger days they they like I was, they a, trusted you to go out on your own, oh, strike out, and 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 they were confident that they had taught no, you well enough that you're not going to get yourself into too much no, trouble. No, no, that's not what I mean. Um, because that's probably not true. But um, okay, but like my mom would have me on a horse alone. There's a picture of me. You should see this photo. I'm a year and a half old. 
and I'm sitting alone on a horse, you know, or they would put me in just situations where people would mom shame her or like dad shame my dad and be like, you know, do you think that maybe uh, you're going to get your child killed? And, you know, they always kind of, they, they stood their ground on their parenting and giving my sister and I um, a lot of freedom. And, and she reminded me of that. I think we turned out quite well. So that's an, uh, an awesome memory to illustrate. And, and let's talk about for a little bit. So many things have changed from when I was a kid, from when you were a kid to now what's acceptable or not acceptable like you know oh you can't use that word but more so the kids have to wear a helmet to ride a bicycle you have to do this you have to do the other now some of the stuff makes absolute sense Mm -hmm. like i'm a seatbelt guy if i get in the car to move it 10 feet it's just habit i put a seatbelt on so putting a kid in a car seat and buckling them in you know that makes sense but at what point and why did we as a society get to the point where safety became such a priority that it impacts quality of life and the ability to let your kids have experiences and not you, you're preventing them from making mistakes? Like, yeah, I don't know. I can't give you an answer for that because I think about it all the time. Um, obviously there's, I could just answer the cliche, well, we have the internet now. And so we can see just how fast things can go wrong. Right. Um, but, but even though we can see how fast things can go wrong, how about all the generations that that risk existed, but they still said, fuck it, just go live and have a good time. And, you know, don't worry about it. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I mean, you know, there's certain things I don't want to be cavalier. Like my kid, you know, he sk- he, he sk- he's a skater. We have a hard, fast rule. You wear your helmet. You know, love yourself first. Be cool second. Because a head injury is a life-changing thing. If he breaks his arm or an ankle or whatever, because this is possible doing that activity, hey, we'll take you to the hospital, get you mended up, and get back after it. So I don't know. It's like a fine line of like, you know, like critical things that could be life changing, I would understand it. But like you, you use the example of you were sitting on the back of a horse. Like, I mean, big right. deal. Well, see, and my mom and um, watch your beard there, Larry. You know, you're using my mic. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, my mom was a professional. Is a professional. I guess she's not getting paid now, but she was a professional horseback rider. Okay. And I used to ride with my mom. And I'm sure she would be mum shamed all the time. And I like to relate that to when I take my baby on my back fishing. Mm-hmm. And people, I mean, it's cute. The people who are like, you know, do you know how dangerous that is? And meanwhile, I'm up to my ankles in unmoving water. Um, I, I just, I mean, I don't know. Is it dangerous? Like, am I, no. you, you know, I, I, don't I, don't, think it, I don't think so. I don't think so either. And it, I know my own capabilities. Right. And I also know that when I walk in the city, it's it's incredibly dangerous for me anyway for because I'm not used to it. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, I'm getting kind of lost here, but yeah, I I don't think I, I don't know why society is the way it is today. But I also only have a daughter, you know, who's not even two yet. You're probably better to answer that question than I am. Yeah, I, I you know the helicopter parent question. Uh, and and 
that's something I try desperately to avoid. Yeah, but um, mom shaming is not new. No, of course not. It's not new. And, you know, it's just it's just society. It's just a way of life. But the question is, are you going to let it bother you or not? Right. So zero bucks given. Back to the dog, though. Yeah, I want to hear more about what's going on with Colby. So I was in camp. So people might not know this. I've got a cabin up in northern British Columbia. And last year in particular, I because every second Christmas... Um, we alternate between Canada and Australia. My husband's Australian. And um, so that means that it just makes sense for me to stay through till January. But my cabin doesn't have, you know, I don't have power. I don't have running water or anything. You've got one of the most notorious um, bathrooms. Oh, cool, huh? You do. Thank you. You've got the 53-foot can. What? Well, it's actually a 20-footer. Oh, is it only a 20-footer? Yeah, 53 feet would be enormous. Okay. Um, But yeah, we converted an old shipping container into a bathroom. Perfect. It was very fun and a lot of work. Uh Uh-huh. I don't, oh my gosh, do you know how much paneling it would take to do 53 feet? Whoa. Wow. (laughs) But but yeah, so we uh, have this, this, it didn't start out as a cabin, it started out as a trailer and then as a wall tent and then as, you know, ice storms owned my ass, now we've got, finally we've got a, a cabin. Um, that we built on top of the old floor. Mm-hmm. But I was alone in camp because I, I usually am there for five months a year. And my husband just comes in for anywhere from two to four weeks. And so last year I was alone in camp with Adelaide till January. He was there for a couple weeks in September and then um, a couple weeks at, at Christmas time. But, and that's a whole nother conversation. Being alone in camp. Was, was Colby there with you guys? He was. Okay. And I have to take him everywhere because there's a cougar in camp. I mean, you want to talk some danger. And I do, I get, I get a bit of the mom shaming, especially at the same time that, um. Didn't you have, uh, a, a little episode where you actually thought that there was, um, something going on that y- you guys were in danger? I mean, I believe I remember a particular meltdown on Well, so what stories. happened was, and this is why I'm saying that some okay. mom, mom shaming, I understand, I empathize with certain people who are concerned because I get it. It's not completely unwarranted. These people aren't crazy. A lot of them are parents. There was a woman in the Yukon who had a very similar lifestyle to mine who was out walking with her baby and she had walked back to her cow. It gets, I'm going to start shaking just talking about it. It really fucked me up, this whole thing. Um, she, her husband was out trapping and she came back to her cabin and she was at the front door and a grizzly had obviously been tracking her and at the front door of the cabin, he killed and ate her and her baby. And he came back to find them both, um, dead in the front and the bear eating them. And he killed, it, it's, oh, it's just so horrible, Larry. And it's just, people thought it was me because, you know, at Northern BC, woman alone, baby, same age, her daughters are the same oh, so age. This actually this actually happened last year. This contemporaneous is what, to when you were in camp. Yeah. Oh, okay. the exact I didn't same time. realize that. Yeah. Okay. So like all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, this just happened to April. Well, they thought it was me. And okay. you know, I just, my inbox flooded and my text messages with friends being like, we were so, we thought it was you. And I realized it could have been me. And um, yeah. So, you know, and then uh, that's a whole that, yeah, we don't want to go that deep. Not now. Okay. Not at the end of the day. Okay. Um, but you know, um, Colby has to go with me everywhere. Because I'm in, you know, just his safety. And so yeah, it's I was, a measure of security. I was working probably a little hard, um, but he loves it. He's 11 this year, you know, this September he turned 11. And I noticed he was limping a little bit. So I brought him into the vet and the vet said, I noticed that his knuck, his wrist is swollen and it could be uh, bone cancer because a lot of the time bone cancer shows in the wrist. And that was a concern. And I just waited to hear back from the x-rays. And anyway, I got the call. Yes, sure enough. He's got... 
he's got bone cancer. And the problem with bone cancer in dogs, and your listeners, some some of them will have experienced this because most of us own dogs, um, you know, it spreads into their organs and they cough and um, they never, almost never last longer than four months. So he said, you've got two weeks to four months. So basically, if you look at the x-ray of his wrist, it looks like Swiss cheese is just holes. Oh, man. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, two weeks to four months. And so I was going to give up. I mean, what do you do? I was just going to feed him a bunch of hot dogs and live out our days. Right. And, and it was particularly emotional because I was alone in camp. And look, it's really hard on you when it's dark at three o'clock. You know, you don't have great self-service. I mean, it's better now, but, it, you know, it's not ideal. You don't have power. You don't have all these luxuries. You're trying to feed yourself. Baby's still breastfeeding. Like, all of these things are happening. And I'm trying to stomach this whole bone cancer thing. And I was being kind of a loser, honestly. I think I was feeling sorry for myself. And a friend of mine was like, you need to man the fuck up. Okay? When did you? When have you ever given up? You need to fight for him. She worked for a veterinarian. And she said, you need to change his food now. You need to go raw. You need to get him on CBD oil right now. You need to get them on X, Y, and Z. And because I was up north, I couldn't access most of this stuff. She sent me out a care package. She's amazing. Bless her heart. Yeah. And um, that was a year ago. And he's been doing pretty darn good since. He's yeah? amazing. There's no limping. I mean, he is just, he's, it's at the point now where I'm obviously, I'm, I'm with a vet that practices holistic medicine and conventional medicine. Mm-hmm. And he says that we're at the point now where people would deny that he has cancer. Because God forbid we would actually give holistic healing any sort of credit. But, um, and I did, I did do a podcast about this with my vet. So if anyone is going through this, they should listen to the podcast with the vet. And he will give you so many reasons um, to just look at how you're, especially what your dog's eating. Okay. And, and how it can save the life of your animal. So do you think it's something that you should look into, like, just like, regardless of whether the dog's, like, don't wait till the dog's no. not healthy. Yeah, no, don't it's, wait. It's just like. Hey, this is a different way because preventative therapy is ideal because it's so easy for us because, you know, in a modern society, buy a bag of kibble, you know, and yeah, you know that they can legally put sawdust in there. Really? Listen to the podcast. All right. Sorry. I'm, and this is not a self plug. This is like, no, I want you people to you people. Can I say that nowadays? Yeah, I want oh you God. people. I want you people to just educate yourselves because, um, I can't do a great job explaining, um, medically why you should change your practices or, you know, practice preventative um practices with your dog but he does a great job cool oh you got me all shaking thinking about this yukon thing i'm like shaking at the core my whole my hand's gonna start shaking soon sorry so if you hear me get a little quivery that's no it's okay it's okay Uh, you're being real and that's that's fucking awesome you know, to, yeah. to, to see you like, cause I was watching you that that's one of the things that we benefit from. We're looking at each other. Like you were closing your, like you could see what was going on when you were talking about that. And it was like, Oh my God, taking you back to that place. Um, let's transition to something a little lighter. Yes. All please. right. So you've been traveling a lot. Um, back and forth between Canada, the States, Australia, you know, for work, a lot of it, but over your experience, fly fishing, um, not everything has been, Hey April, we're going to pay for you to go do this because we need the, there's a lot of your life that was spent doing what April wanted to go do fishing in places that you were like, Hey, that is something I want to go do. So what do you think that you could share is like your favorite DIY experience 
and tell me about how you arrived at this is this is where I want to go and like all the planning that went into it and then what made it like the favorite memory and you know like there there had to be something about it or a particular fish that you didn't catch or you did catch let's yeah. hear it well for starters just so you know a lot of my trips are paid for mm-hmm. my husband and I like to travel together and I hate having to work on a trip like if I'm going on a fishing trip I, I do not want to be I do not want to feel obligated to listen to somebody tell me something or have to I don't know take time out of my schedule to to I don't know go I don't take pictures or something. So a lot of the time when you, when you see me on a trip, it's not a comped trip. It is a paid trip by myself and my husband. Um, I'm not really into the whole hosting thing and having to sit downstairs and be on. Like I can't be on. Okay. So let me clarify something. And this could just be a little difference between Canadian vernacular and U S vernacular. You're saying, a lot of the times when we see you on a trip, you're on a quote paid trip, meaning self-funded. Yes, yeah, so like I'm, yeah. I am paying. Right. To be that's what I, that's what I'm talking about when I say DIY. You're doing it yourself. Yeah. You're not on a, one of your sponsors or your part. You know, you're not being paid to go on that trip. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, so it can still be with a guide. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, there's so many. It changes every year. I love history. Okay. So a lot of it for me is so much more than just the fish. Um, I love being made to feel really small. And Mongolia does that for me. I feel really, really tiny in Mongolia. And I love feeling like there's so much of it that's not discovered. It's very intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Mongolia would be that. But you're looking for me to describe, like, do you want me to describe how to get there and all that? No, no, no. This isn't like a, hey, this is how you do this trip. I just want, like, there's a reason that in your mind, Mongolia was like a really good trip. And like, so for the reasons that you just stated, you like the history, you like how it makes you feel small. And I can relate to that because being a Florida East Coast guy growing up, even in East Tennessee, the first time I went out and fished Wyoming. And it's so similar. I fished on the South Fork of the Shoshone. And it's this alluvial, you know, riverbed in this giant canyon. And like, it's not a narrow canyon. It's a giant canyon that's, you know, miles from wall to wall. And we didn't see another human being other than me and the one guy that I went with. And I just remember standing there and going, I am but a small, insignificant speck in the middle of God knows anywhere. And it's a cool feeling. It gives you such perspective. So you're talking about going to Mongolia. But it wouldn't be for the fish. See, But the fishery is awesome but definitely not my favorite <laughs> you okay. know what i mean so i'd have to, i'm afraid of putting like a major lull in this podcast by having to think about it my favorite places on earth i mean it would always have to come back to british columbia home is where the heart is yeah it'll it'd have to just come back to british columbia okay because of, of my connection from my youth there all right fair enough um and you, you're more into swinging flies yeah it depends. Depends. It depends. But I like swinging flies because I don't have to work that hard. 
I just like to relax. But then sometimes I do want to work hard. You know, listen, I'm really lucky because I get to live half the year in Australia. Right. So when I'm in Australia fishing, I am working my ass off. And when I'm in BC, I'm relaxing. I mean, marijuana is also legal in BC. So it goes, all of it goes, you can see the parallels here. But, you know, I just, it depends on my time of year. I like to take half a year to, to live one way and I take the other half of the year to live the other way. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's And I actually don't smoke marijuana, but they did make it legal and I'm obsessed with those gummies. Oh yeah. And I also just believe that C B D saves lives, so my wife um has recently discovered C B D and it's doing amazing things for her. Um helps her sleep better, a lot less anxiety. So, you know, she has explained to me, like, you know, the C B D receptors that we have, this, that and the other. I don't take any CBD products like as far as the oils go and stuff like that. Cause I'm just not somebody that like gets into that routine, but there's some like topical CBD stuff. Like yeah. if I get sore and put it on, it is like magic. It's just like the greatest anti-inflammatory. Yeah. That's what I use. And, and I would th- rather use that than like taking some crap like Advil or something. See, and I can't get a lot of that stuff back in Australia. So I do, I feel like I live two very different lives. So you wouldn't be able to take CBD back to Australia with you. Some of us might take it back with us very quietly. I don't okay. know. I don't know who would do that, but maybe. Possible. Uh, I'll tell you a true story. Okay, let's hear it. So with Colby, mm-hmm. you know, I fly him back and forth to Australia and did for five or six years, mm-hmm. which sounds very cruel because there is quarantine. Um, it's only 10 days, though. And because he goes every year, he gets very excited. He knows all the girls in quarantine. Oh, no way. He like loads himself up in the transport vehicle. So he's not stressed out. I mean, right. I, I don't recommend traveling. It's like a little vacation that he's looking forward to. Yes. I didn't realize, you know, there are a lot of vaccines. I don't recommend traveling with your dog now that I know what I know. But um, it didn't stress him out so people can just relax. But um, so this year was going to be our final year because he's older. And so we had um, come back from the cabin after Christmas and we're loaded up to or getting ready to to go on our on our flight back to um, Australia to Sydney. And I made the mistake of calling Australian Customs at midnight because it was like at the time it was like four o'clock their time um, p.m. or it was like maybe 11 p.m. my time, 4 p.m. their time. And I said, hi, I'm just calling to confirm that I can bring CBD in because when he goes through to quarantine, I don't get to see him. So I have to pack any medicine with him. Right. And CBD oil is very expensive. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to put in this bottle if I didn't have to, if they couldn't give it to him. So I just said before I leave Canada, and it's legal in Canada, before I leave Canada, is it okay if this comes with him? And he said, let me call you back. So he went, I guess all the vets were having a meeting. Anyway, what I didn't know was that the head vet was in the meeting and decided to make an example out of me. So right before they closed, I think they went home at 4.30, right as he's about to go home, I get an email that says, Ms. Vokey, you should be ashamed of yourself for even thinking about flying a dog with bone cancer to Australia. It's cruelty, and I have, um, they revoked my permit. And I had to be on an airplane in seven and a half hours with my dog. I'm talking meltdown, because now... Obviously, I can't leave him. You know how much I love him. Absolutely. But I can't leave my baby and my husband either. And it's very expensive to fly back and forth. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at my savings being like, I'm, I have to go back and forth between the two of you guys. Like a week here, a week there, a week here. Like, how am I going to do this? Anyway, um, my mom, God bless her. So I get, I did end up getting on the airplane in tears. And they just, they were closed. So I couldn't contact Australian Customs. My mom stood in the uh, Vancouver transport station. And... 
would not leave until they would send a, a video of Colby jumping into the truck. Because most dogs with bone cancer can't jump in and out of trucks. Right. Um, sent a video of him j- jumping into the truck and then would not leave until they gave me my permit back and they got him on the next flight in. I landed in Japan. It was a layover to my mom's voicemail saying, sweetheart, because my mom is a badass. She is terrifying. And she says, sweetheart, don't you worry. He's on, he's on an airplane right, right now. behind you. Yeah. So the CBD into Australia thing, yeah, it's a sensitive note for sure they do have a cbd company it's not it's not the best cbd but there is one in australia just if any of your listeners in australia are are, are interested it's like snowy river or something and um but the government is even watching it the vets my vet said that they're watching it so closely that now um they're tracking it through like mastercard like even with a visa you can't purchase it you have to buy it with mastercard and it's something about tracking and i don't really know all the politics but i know that they're very very careful about what comes into that country Okay. They're a little bit behind. Sounds like it. Yeah. But CBD, I think, is, I think it saved his life. It's, uh, it's definitely changed the prognosis. And he's, you know, what, when you hear somebody be like, you know, oh, they've got this long to live. And it's like, now that's in the rearview mirror by a long shot. You're like, yeah, something's working. And like you said, why are people so quick to discount the original diagnosis versus saying maybe oh, the holistic working? approach is working right? I hate that. So um, I can't even re- remember because we've done so much talking. Sorry, I'm scattering. And, um, and I talk so fast. I need a CBD. I need a gummy. Give me a gummy. So my... My perspe- uh, perspective on your social media use is positive because of your stories. Good, um, good. And I think what's crazy to me about your stories is there's quite often times you show a lot of vulnerability, whether it was the episode that you had when you were alone and that story broke and people thought it was you and... You had quite the meltdown. Like, I, I remember, like... Well, I wouldn't say it was, like, a tear meltdown. Oh, yeah, there was. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, go back in your in your archive. There was a couple, like, where it was dark, and you were, like, talking into the... like, And it oh, was, I'm like... terrified. How do I not remember this? I don't know, but it, that's what I really think is pretty awesome about where you are right now is you are willing to put that out there and it's great that you don't even remember it because I have an ugly cry. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, but but you don't even remember it, Yeah. but I want you to juxtapose the April of today. Yeah. That's willing to share God knows what. Sure. Like the fact that I was going to kill my husband versus, (laughs) versus the April 20 something. No. Well, that's actually a very interesting question because April 20, 20 something was willing to share the exact same stuff, but I didn't have a platform to do it. Where was I going to do it? In a magazine cover? Well, I think that you're willing to say right now that your April of 20 something was willing to do it. No, no, I was stupid enough. I would have for sure. But other people's opinion of you bothered you back then. Now it doesn't seem to so much. Mm, And I say that, no. It still bothers me. Okay. If it's not accurate. 
if your opinion of me and you've taken the time to actually make an educated opinion or decision why you don't like me maybe I'm too rough around the edges for whatever there's a lot of reasons not to like me sometimes I don't like myself either so whatever the, the reason is if it's warranted I'm totally okay with that but if it's because you assume something about me mm-hmm. that bothered me then and it bothers me now and back then because I didn't have a platform to be myself or to express my life people almost everyone's opinion about me was wrong and of course that bothered me and there was probably no way to, well, there was, I mean, where, well, I'm, I'm getting back to like the Drake. Yeah. But I couldn't be myself with those guys because how am I supposed to feel comfortable in that environment when they're, when pie is a part of the, you know, to be, to be, um, accepted, you have to post a picture of, you know, a bear shaking ass. Like I was um, never, and, and plus I'm a, I'm a face to face kind of girl. I need to look someone in the eye. Okay. I can't. I couldn't engage with those guys. They, they'd already made up their minds about me. I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit because some of the, some of the slugging that you did do when you did finally get to the breaking point and came in and, <laughs> and, and, and gave what you'd gotten. Yeah. You probably didn't give enough back from what you'd gotten over the years, but you did. And, and I think that, you know, that's kind of what I'm pushing you to try to get from you is, you know, there's a difference between 20 something April and, oh, and there's now, a difference. No, question. for sure. But if I had Instagram back then, uh-huh. would I have been as open about my life as I am now or my vulnerabilities? Yes, I, I, I you think would so. Okay. Yeah, I do. I, I'm happy it didn't exist back then because what I would have been vulnerable about back then is really ridiculous. And the things I cared about back then were so insignificant and maybe that's the point i'm yeah. trying to drag out of you sure more so but i mean who because isn't in their early 20s everybody on social media that's 20 now and you know whether you're ready for it or not you're kind of developing into that matriarchal role in the fly fishing world and you know that's the the wisdom that you don't realize you're dispensing i don't believe but you kind of are. No, no, I realize until it. you juxtapose it a little bit. Yep. And it's frustrating for me because I have made the same mistakes, and I always hoped that those gals and I've spoke about this before. I, I I've always hoped that they would look at the things that I messed up on and be like, "I am not going to do that." How often do you get emails or DMs from young ladies that are saying, "Hey, I look up to what you've done." How do I do what you've done? Every day. And how often are you able to engage and actually, do you answer pretty much everything that you get? Or yeah, you, no, I, I mean, answer everything. If you okay. take the time, if you take the time to reach out to me, the problem with Instagram is there's this like hidden account. And if I'm not following the person, it gets put in this other account and it automatically deletes after four weeks. And I think I get to my DMs like every six weeks to three months or something. But if you, I, I, I do my best, mm-hmm. but if you take the time to email me, right, I will I don't care what you say. I will always respond because that means a lot to me that you took the time to go through that next, you know, third party or or whatever. But it is very frustrating, Larry, because I have these gals say to me, I really respect what you do. And, and I can think of, yeah, I can think of several examples. We'll leave things nameless for now. Okay. Okay. They reach out and they look up to me and that means a lot to me and I want to help them through. And I hope that they can look at, at, um, I hope that I can lead by example in a lot of ways. 
but then I don't know, maybe they're not getting the attention they want or whatnot. So they look at someone, someone's account that has the same amount of followers as I do in fly fishing, Mm -hmm. who is going about it a very different way, right, wrong or otherwise. And that maybe, maybe there's something more appealing about that. Maybe it's a prettier account. Maybe the comments are more, um, attractive because maybe the comments are more complimentary, which is nice for as a young 20. Okay. You know what? Fuck it. Here we go. Okay. So you look at my account and you look at Maddie Brenneman's account. Okay. Okay, I'm not going to tiptoe. So you look at somebody who is a young gal who looks up, who looks up to me, for example, because they've heard about me maybe before Maddie and they want to do what I'm doing. But then they see Maddie's account and they see that Maddie's account, all these people are telling her she's hot. Now she's getting free fashion stuff. Look at all these advertisements. She's getting paid for this. But April, oh, April's getting old and she's not advertising anything. So that must mean that she's not making any money. And people aren't engaging with her, telling her how beautiful she is. They're telling her that their kid likes to play in the water too. You know, so maybe I'm not as appealing. And it's hard for me because I know they're going the wrong route, but they they don't yet. And how do you, how do you, steer a 20 something when they're not ready to listen no one could have steered me i was gonna make my mistakes my own way and um but yeah it just sucks i thought that they'd learn from the things that i had messed up but you know the world is so we forget about things so fast when you were on my podcast you were saying that you get grief in social media and it's forgotten about in 48 hours didn't used to be like that when you got grief it stuck around it stunk for a lot longer and um I think they don't realize, they they haven't been watching my career long enough to really understand that I've made a lot of those mistakes and that they're just putting themselves in a corner by making the same ones. Are these examples of people that have actually asked for advice and you've given it and it's, it's gone ignored? Yeah. And it's at the point now where I don't even know how to, um, I don't know how to advise because I can look someone till I'm blue in the face. I can say till I'm blue in the face that you need to be true to yourself. But for them right now, that is them being true to themselves. They, and we talked about this earlier before we were rolling on your show. I'm sorry, we had some great conversation before we were rolling. You know, a lot of these gals, they just don't know themselves enough yet. So they think they're sharing themselves, but they just don't realize that they're so shallow that maybe they just genuinely, Larry, don't have anything to share. Right. Which sucks. Yeah, it does. And Because we're supposed to be in our 20s figuring ourselves out and making mistakes. And it's a double-edged sword because, you know, A, they can't make mistakes without it being documented. And, and B... Aren't, aren't you happy? I know I am. Before that social? There's, that there's not this volume of photos... Yes. You know, that exist documenting those awkward years in the twenties and hell even the early part of the thirties. I mean, we talked about it either on your show or in between on a break. It's crazy. Yes, I am. I'm not. I think we're robbing the young people because they didn't, they haven't seen that part of our lives and to them, this is reality. So maybe they're shallow because they haven't experienced that depth. So honestly, honestly, if I could air all of those videos that I'm happy don't exist mm-hmm. to these young people today to, to show them to smarten up, I would sacrifice, I would show them so that they smarten up. But I think that we're, we're really stuck in, like I said, a double-edged sword. They, they, they just don't know any better. So what's your best advice? Like, <coughs> other than, I mean, 
the cliche easy answer is be yourself. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's my best advice to who? Uh, to, to, to the young lady that has started putting in the time. They're invested in being in this industry um, for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And you want to kind of put your arm over her shoulder and whisper in her ear, you're, you're headed in the right direction. And as long as you consider or try to stay true to these three ideals, you're probably going to come out on the other side pretty well. Yeah. And, and don't let me like number you into, you have to give me three. I mean, if sure. you have five or one, whatever. Um, to understand that not everything has to happen right now. You know, the whole Rome wasn't built in a day thing. I just think everyone's impulsive and wants everything right now. Patience and persistence. I yeah. like it so far. I don't know. I, that would be my number one thing. Stay true to yourself, obviously. Um, when, when did you know that, you know, because you, you started approaching your life as a, as a fly angler, that you knew you wanted to build a business around it? Oh, I knew I wanted to do that when I was 18. Okay. But when did you know, other than that's what you wanted, when did you know that other people had noticed and figured out that, yeah, it's time to hitch our wagon to April Vokey? When do I, like you want a year or what? No, like just like a, you know, uh, did you, did, was it because of all your hard work chasing the dream? prior to hashtags you had hashtagged enough to get noticed or was it just simply that you were doing it and doing it well and then people started coming to you and going hey you know we've kind of caught our eye girl what's what you've been doing is pretty cool well you just said it right there okay you kind of caught you caught our eye girl okay um because remember this was before hashtags existed right to me they're still like a thing on a telephone um you caught our eye girl this was at a time when the industry was apparently dying. Mm-hmm. How do we get more people involved? Well, it's got to be women. So anybody with a vagina was being sought out. And it was hard to find us um, because there was no, even the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, there was internet, but it was a pl- the plug-in thing. You know, you, the, you call in as B. Yeah, beep, the dial-up. Mm. And so anybody, um, any woman... Most of the women I knew, and there were just a few of us. We were we were all being, reached, you know, everyone. People were reaching out to us because they wanted to use our image. I don't think a lot of that's changed. Um, no, I don't think so either. I think that they just have more women to choose from now. Right. And let me ask you: Are you involved at all with the fifty-fifty on the water program I, or um, initiative? I'm not sure what to call it. Funny enough that you should ask that because I podcasted um, those gals. I had a great talk with those gals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just also, obviously, I'm on like a podcasting circuit right now. So, right. you know, I'm going to keep referring back to podcasts. I apologize. But I podcasted Jen Ripple uh-huh. and um, was totally honest with her. And I, and, I, and I explained that I went out of my way to avoid being associated with the 50-50 on the water. Not because I don't believe that there are barriers. Oh, I know there are barriers. And I'll tell you something else. There is like a Me Too casting couch in this industry. Not with me. No, I have put, I have got no problem saying, get the fuck out of my face. Not interested. But it happens to me all the time. And it happens, and I've got a lot of friends in this industry who have slept with people to make their way up. Because, not because they necessarily, 
Anyway, look, I, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but it exists, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, my point is, though, it I wasn't avoiding it because of all of that. I was avoiding it because um, I just didn't want the controversy and the drama. And I feel bad now that I have stayed away from it. Am I involved with them? No. Do I understand and agree with where they're coming from? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Well, In a lot of ways. I think that we're probably pushing it a little fast. Like, I, I'm quite content with um, 60-40 or even 70-30 if that 30 or 40 is in it for the right, for, for longevity. Right. I don't want just a number just for number's sake. Yeah, I... I mean, I, th- I think that the more people that we can have within the industry that are truly in it because they love it, and I even hate calling it the industry, and, and I'm only doing it because we've been at this trade show, and that's like the vernacular here, but like fly fishing is such a small little market to begin with, so it'd be great if the market expanded, and I don't care if it's a guy or a girl or an old dude or a young guy or a hipster or whoever it is. I just have always felt like it was really contrived marketing the 50, 50 on the water. And it's like, well, it's interesting because and I don't care which industry this is. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like my husband works in industrial re- refrigeration. Okay. And I have the same conversations with him in his field you know, about getting more women involved. I think there needs to be more women in boardrooms and I think there need to be more women involved in, in, in corporations. It is definitely not just um, fly fishing specific. Uh, in, in terms of your point about it being contrived, it's interesting. I've been reading a lot about feminism lately and that's not a bad word. It's just, you know, it's another, it's equality is all it is. And we do need to contrive a little bit of it now to make it be the norm. It's just that it's easier in some fields than it is in others. Um, Like if my husband went out of his way tomorrow to hire 50% women on his board, Mm -hmm. it it wouldn't be so glaring. Well, maybe it would be in his field. I mean, maybe it's glaring if, yeah, I don't know. I could get lost on a tangent on this. It's hard with, this is what it comes down to, Larry. It's hard with passion, sport, and passion industry. Because you get resentful looking at it from a passion stance. Because you're like, I'm here because I'm passionate. Why are you here? Whereas in a corporate world, it's not necessarily passion. It's more like, you know, qualifications. Right. And on paper. And, um, you know, what can you bring for us in our number sheets and our Excel sheets? Whereas, yeah, with passion pro- with passion sports, it is it's harder to quantify or, or give somebody... Um, to accept them for being in it if they're not also in it for passion. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. But to me, like the, you know, and and the 50, 50 on the water, um, you see that and and it's wonderful. I think we should be recruiting as many people, people. I don't give a shit what gender as many people as we can, you know, because I I think this thing that we do is pretty fun and it's rewarding it's develops a love for the environment that leads to good things like conservation and passion for conservation. Um, but you know, at the same time, the 50 50 thing is going on and, and Jen and them are doing a you know wonderful thing. They're out recruiting and exposing people to it. And that's a good thing on, on its own and of its own. But then on the flip side of it, there's been criticism 
um, of different manufacturers of marketing a fly rod. This is the women's fly rod. And it's like, wait a second. What makes it a woman's fly rod? You yeah. made it pink? No, I got a whole, a whole yeah. I got, Let's hear it. Well, rods specifically. I mean, it's different to waders. Okay. Because, I mean, you can women have a different inseam than men. Mm-hmm. So I got sick to death of blowing out my knees in my men's waders when I used to land fish and have to bend down, especially when I was guiding. I mean, that's all I did was run back and forth landing fish. I blew out my knees in my men's Patagonia waders because they were they couldn't accommodate my legs. Um, so it depends on what, what we're talking about. But for rods, mm-hmm. I mean, I want you to look at something. And I'm going to embarrass myself here. But whatever, I've done that. What? How long have we been going? And so I did that an hour ago. I'll just continue. <laughs> look at the size of my hands. Give me your hand. You're a big man. Look at how big my hands are. You've got giant hands. Yeah. I mean, primarily look at my fingers. I just got really long alien fingers and big hands. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. I'm And they're calloused and they're ugly and they catch, they can tail big fish. But do you think I need... A woman-specific grip? No. No. Not even not even close. Now, I know a lot of men with beautiful, tiny... Little you know, dainty hands. Fragile hands. I don't know. The whole rod thing, it gets me going. Yeah. I'm I, not into it. I, I just... The most cliche is like, you know, some pink stitching on a shirt or a pink rod and a small grip. And it's like... But it's, is it still happening? I mean, that's what they did 15 years ago when they tried to recruit all of us gals. Um, I walked past a booth earlier today that was like who i can't remember the brand that's that's the awesome thing about whatever they had hanging there and their whole marketing in their booth i saw it and i i looked at it and it was like and i was like they got to be new because yeah they're they, yeah they're See, obviously these, new and i was just like oh, i wish i remembered the name of it but anyway yeah, i no it's look, i looked they, at it and was like oh. it. it's done it's done okay that stuff's done and 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 you know, I, and I think that's why I get so exhausted and why I avoided the 50-50 thing because these those brands have been, they they worked us so hard with this pink concept and it's just, I just shut down now even talking about it. All right, so you kind of blew me back a little bit here when you said that there is a casting couch culture or I has been. You looked like you were floored. Yeah, I why was. Why is that surprising to you? I don't know. I Like to me, I was like, holy crap, Really? Like, you know, wow, that yeah. that was shocking to me. It really was. Um, Not industry execs, but yeah, a lot of the guys in a lot of these companies, especially in marketing, big time. And some of it's organic. Sometimes these gal- gals just go on a fishing trip or an industry. They're at the show right now. Maybe they fall in love. Who knows? But yeah, no, there is a lot of Yeah, that. but like the quid pro quo of, you know, hey, you know, you want to hang out, you want to make it, you know, you're looking to be an ambassador. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if the conversation can't go like that. And well, I, I'm, I don't I'm sure it's not that direct, but but yeah, well, it's here, almost a pay-to-play kind of we'll break, atmosphere. We'll break it in slowly. And, you know, I am I can speak more on behalf of before social media mm-hmm. because that was when I was in my 20s and with a lot of friends who were going through it. It's harder for me now to relate to the 20-somethings who are being cast and couched or whatever we want to call it uh, with social media because... They don't tell me about their night out. I mean, I'm just too I'm like too old. I'm a mom. They don't want to right. tell me. But here's a prime example. So there was a time, and this still happens, where you get a call from a, a guy, and he says, I'm going on this trip. I have an open spot. Would you like to come with me? And a lot of my friends would say yes. Mm-hmm. I said, I've been on tons of trips with random guys. And then when they're there, you know, day three or whatever, night three, the guy's coming into their room or their tent and it's just an expectation that they're supposed to sleep with them. 
And you'd be amazed how many of them do because they feel like they should. And they feel uncomfortable, like they owe them something. I don't know if that's part of this whole movement, but it sounds pretty shitty to me. And so I was telling Meredith uh, the other day, you know, there's this, there's this lodge owner in the Bahamas and he had invited me on a trip to the Seychelles and I'm pretty straight up. And I said, Hey, you know, John Doe, uh, just so you know, like I'm totally keen. This is great. But you do know that I'm not going to have sex with you, right? You blasted that like straight up. No, I do all the time to ton, tons of people because you should know. Like, listen, hey, let's just so you know. Let's get it out on the table. And it's not even that uncomfortable. Like, it's hilarious. You know I'm not going to sleep with you. And he was great. And he said, I'll be honest with you. You know, I did think that we were in a southern accent. I did think we were going to have sex. And I said, well, I'm really sorry, but um, I'll still go if you want, but we're not having sex. And he said, I really appreciate your honesty. And um, no, I, I, we, I don't want to go. So he went with someone else. And that's cool. But yeah, um, yeah no, that that is it's a conversation that does have to happen. That brings us to a little segue that I, I had on my notes of knowing that, not knowing that it was to that depth, but like knowing, because I've, I've seen you over the years, tons of times at different IFTDs, and we all, when we're out here, or in New Orleans, or back in Orlando, go out and drink and have drinks at the you know bars and the after parties and stuff. I was going to ask you, worst pickup line you've ever had? At the trade show. Oh, you know, I actually don't get any pickup lines. I don't know if anyone's ever used a pickup line on me. I'm one of those girls. It's always very confusing to me because I, I am that girl. Nobody hits on me either. Like it's really rare. It is really, really rare. And when it does happen, they're very old with lots of money. I don't know <laughs> what they're thinking, but no, I, I, I that's not me. Um, my friends get it a lot though. Maybe I just have like a vibe that says. I was going to say, is it, is it the, the vibe, the get the fuck out of here vibe? Maybe, maybe they heard rumor on the street is that I'll say, just so you know, <laughs> I'm not going to be having sex with uh, you. Hey, by the way, do you know April, just so you know, Vokey? Yeah. <laughs> just so you know, that's going to be my new nickname. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, you have to ask someone else, but there are some good lines out there for sure. Now, one of the other guys that I do the podcast with, Ben, um, had asked me like, Make sure you talk to April and ask her. And this is going to be the awkward moment where I'm going to ask you if you remember. Oh, no. I do so many stupid things. Okay. Two years ago. Okay. You were in Orlando. Okay. And you and I met after the Drake Film Awards. Mm -hmm. And you were preggers. You mean you rubbing my belly? Yeah. Of course I remember. Okay. Because you're the only person who like rubbed my belly in my entire pregnancy. All right. And it brought me good luck that year. And then I saw you the year after, and I said, I'll bet you didn't know that if you rub my belly, it'll bring you good luck. And Ben wanted me to ask, do you think that you're rubbing my belly had anything to do with you being able to become part of the meat eater? No, because that all started while I was pregnant. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it just took a lot of negotiation. Yeah, Ben asked me to ask it. So I was like, you know what? That's a good one. I'll make sure and get Ben on record as But I'm gonna, he was like he was like, I think you brought April good luck. I'm gonna blame your tummy though for my dog's cancer. Oh so, no, I'm just gosh. kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We could swing it the other I way. I am just so crushed all of a sudden. <laughs> no, no, it was Give me good... one of those fucking gummies. <laughs> I don't have them here. Oh, we're in Colorado. Oh, we could go get gummies, couldn't we? We could do that. Um, but no, uh, yeah, no. Would it make you feel better if I said yes? 
No, I, not at all. Okay. <laughs> not at all. No, no. Okay. So tell tell me a little bit about the whole, you know, April joining Meat Eater. It's kind of, that was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're branching out and um, it's been really cool to contribute with them. It's a very different demographic than I'm used to. So still wrapping my head around that. Because you have, uh, did did your transition towards doing the the hunting occur? Oh, way before that. Well, as a result of it, is that what, because what I'm getting Totally at is, unrelated. Like I'm are, not even allowed they, to provide they, hunting content. Okay. Yeah. So that was my question. Are you going to ultimately be part of their hunting content or did you, no. you're kind of the expansion into the- Fishing. Fishing. No, I'm very, very specifically not supposed to provide hunting content. Now- And I'm okay with that because I do not want to have any sort of monetary involvement at all. When it comes to hunting is mine. Like I are, I painted myself in a corner by making fishing my career and turning my passion into, you know, my job. But, um, hunting is mine. I will never, ever, ever let that turn into a job for me. Perfect. That's like your guilty pleasure, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, the meat eater association that you have, um, you ended up, um, Doing Das Boat. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Not too exciting. I didn't know the mic was on half the time, and I get very excited. And, I don't, you know, I was edited very, um, I, yeah. <laughs> well, well, the one thing that didn't get edited that uh, has been one of the funnier things that, that I've heard from you in a long time, and I, I like, laughed out loud, yeah. was your Ron Jeremy Oh, I love Ron reference. Jeremy. No, I'm happy they left that in there. <laughs> and and. And that's why I gave you a little bit of uh, forewarning. Um, it showed your humorous side, and you're very witty uh, for you. anybody that's been around you any length of time. So I think we're going to start wrapping up, and we're going to wrap it up by you giving me your best joke. Okay. Now, my jokes are disgusting. That's okay. I am disgusting, uh, and that's okay. <laughs> and I am only going to laugh if it's really funny. Do you want my G-rated or no. my okay? Because <clears throat> I had this like G-rate. I was like, yeah, okay. We don't have we don't have a lot of moms listen to our show. No, oh, no, I want moms you to, are the best. Moms are the filthiest creatures out there. I, I want you to tell the joke that is going to make the guys at the fly shop or at the put in or the takeout like laugh, but like cringe and laugh all at the same time. Oh no, let's meet in the middle somewhere. Okay. Let's meet in the middle somewhere because, yeah. Okay. So there are these two guys, Carl and Mark. Sorry, guys. And they're lovers. Hell, they're even married because we're in a progressive world. Yes. And um, there's nothing wrong with it. They like to play this little game where one of them inserts something into the other's bottom and the other has to guess what it is. So Carl's in the living room. And he sends Mark out into the kitchen to go and get something. Mark goes and he and he grabs, you know, uh, a carrot out of the crisper. And he gently inserts it. And Carl goes, oh, honey, it's a, it's, a, it's a carrot. It's a carrot from the fridge. And Mark goes, oh, babe, excellent work. You're so good at this game. So he goes back into the kitchen and he grabs uh, another item. And he comes back in and, and he gently inserts. And Carl goes, it's the rolled up newspaper from the from the kitchen table. Oh, honey, you're so good at this. So Mark walks back out and he goes back into the kitchen and he comes back in and he gently 
inserts and Carl goes, it's a, shit, what's that, what's that white vegetable, that thing, white vegetable, the white vegetable that you can, no idea, no, 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 it's like a, or maybe it's got purple on it, are you talking eggplant, oh, you've played this game before, twice, go, fuck, Damn it, you got me on that. How do you know that joke? I don't know. I just saw it coming. When when you went from telling the joke to including me in it, I was like, mm. here it comes. Okay, this fine. This is the trap. All right, fine. Here you go. So what? Um, <laughs> what's the best part about duct tape? <laughs> no idea. It turns no, no, no into mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Fuck, you made me do that. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, listen, it was great having you on, and we appreciate you spending the time with us. Hope everybody learned a little something new, a little different perspective with April. Uh, keep doing what you're doing on Anchored. We love it. Thank you. And uh, if you ever do get the chance and you're down in Florida and you got a couple extra days, be more than happy to uh, get you out on the water. And more importantly, while you're in town, let you do the whole full rip podcast. I think you would have a blast. Feel free to bring Charles, bring anybody. Is there beer there? Oh, there's plenty of beer there. Perfect. Count me in. I will be there. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening. Thank you for doing this. We'll talk to you soon. It's a broken heart, babe, I know.